For BYU-Idaho Radio, I'm Ashley Chilcutt. Joining me today over the phone is Randy Lords. He's the superintendent for the Madison School District. Thank you so much for joining me today, Randy. Thank you, Ashley. appreciate that. I know that the levy vote is coming up on August 30th. Now, some people are aware of it and some people are not. Could you maybe just briefly explain what is going to happen on that day? Sure. Um, back in 2012, Madison School District I uh, went to the voters for a levy for $2 million, well, $1.95 million um, for two years. And every two years that comes up for renewal. And this is the year that it uh, is up for renewal. And so we are on um, August 30th going to the polls to ask the patrons to approve a renewal of the levy. It'll be the same amount that started in in 2000 and, uh, 2012. Now, I noticed on the Madison School District website, there is a place you can go and it kind of breaks down where that money will be allocated. And it mentions things like Madison Cares mental health programs and things like that. So can you explain how this money will be applied if sure. the levy passes? Yeah, thank you. Uh, probably about 12 years ago, we received a federal grant, and I know some some folks uh, have their their opinions and and concerns about federal grants and what happens if you you know get tied up with the federal government. But the federal government, we we had a program that we started in Madison School, Madison School District called Madison Cares. It's a mental health um, program where we work with families in the community. We do early childhood intervention with uh, parents as teachers. Um, we have, if people have uh, babies at the hospital, there's a program where we use the Dolly Parton reading program where they donate books, and we have uh, folks from Madison Cares that take just information for new moms up to the hospital. Then we have a the Parents as Teachers program where we have folks from Madison Cares that go into homes and help new moms, new dads with parenting techniques, parenting skills, uh, hopefully get ahead of uh, mental health issues or concerns earlier than waiting till they get in school to, uh, to see those. Well, then we have our Madison Cares program in our schools, and every one of our schools have what's called a CAT team. It's called the Child Assistance Team, and they meet uh, every two weeks, and they discuss students that may be struggling, whether they're struggling with their grades, whether they're struggling with emotional or mental health, and then we work with Madison Cares, the building administrator, counselors, and families to get the support they need. Well, a couple of years ago, that grant funding ran out, but we felt like it was, it's such an important program for our school district uh, that it helps our teachers in the classroom but it also helps parents and community members. And I know there, there are some folks out there who would say, well, that's not the school's job. The school's job is reading, writing, and math. Um, over the years, schools have, um, just to be able to support our students and our families, have taken on additional roles. And Madison Cares is one that we have seen uh, great benefits from. Our, uh, fortunately, we've been blessed that our, our suicide rate is lower than than what it's been in the past and even what it's been compared to other districts in the state of Idaho. 
Uh, we have some data that our junior high collects because Madison Cares spends uh, a couple of weeks every year talking about coping skills, mental health awareness, suicide prevention in our health classes at the, at the junior high, and we've seen some pretty good data from that uh, that it's been beneficial for our students. And so we're using, we're, we're taking some of the money from, we hope to take some of the money from the levy and continue that program because it's not being funded anymore by uh, the grant that we had. And uh, as a district, myself as a superintendent, our school board are passionate about what Madison Cares offers to our students. And we're the only district right now in the state that has this program. And I've had the opportunity to talk to different school districts in the state asking about how we run a program, asking us to help teach them so that they can put something in place similar because they see the value. Uh, the next part of that money will be going to um, teachers and classified staff and salaries. Um, there are two furlough days that uh, the teachers have negotiated for. Those days were taken away during the Great Recession and uh, wasn't part of their contract, and so we're uh, part of the money will go towards raising salaries for our classified staff, which are our bus drivers, our custodians, uh, those folks who um, help get our schools ready for students and help keep things in order. And then the last third item on that list is upgrades to our security system, upgrades to cameras, computers, uh, we're in the process of, we've got a bid to put uh, security film. So it's a product made by 3M that makes windows bullet resistant or penetration resistant to try and help secure up some of our classrooms that have a big two foot by three foot window on them. You know, some of our buildings when they were built, school safety wasn't the, the topic it is today. And so we're trying to help secure up our buildings that way. Thank you for elaborating on those three main categories listed on the website as far as where the money will be going. But I have noticed some groups on Facebook, like the I Heart Rexburg Facebook page and the I Hate Life in Rexburg Facebook page, where people are posting about the levy and maybe advocating to not pass the levy. Now, I would like to hear from you because the levy is technically a property tax if I understand correctly, that is used towards causes like the ones you just described? Really the easiest way that I can probably break it down to explain is it's about $83 per 100000 So if your home value is at 100000 it would be $83 for the year. If your home value is 200000 it ends up being 167 and some change and just kind of moves up there. Uh, per your hundred thousand in your homeowner, most homes in Rexburg range anywhere from two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand. That's the range. Now I know there's some that are, you know, that have more and they have additional land, so those prices, that dollar amount may go up for them. But really, it's, if you have a hundred thousand in value, you're looking at eighty-three dollars and some change for the year. According to you, would you say the levy is a good thing now? I want you to kind of maybe answer this from the perspective of somebody who doesn't have a child in school. Like, why should people be voting in favor for the levy? Yeah, that's, thank you. That's a great question. 
Um, you know, one of the things that's out there on Facebook, and I know sometimes people think, well, it's on Facebook, so it must be true. Um, there, there's been a little bit of misconception or uh, things have been just changed a little bit. So there's a, a chart put out there of our June financial, uh, our financial sheet, and it's been highlighted that the district has over $24 million that we, we have and we're just sitting on. Um, really what we have is we have a couple of times a year where we have to make big payments towards a bond payment, towards construction costs, and so we have that money set aside knowing that these two or three payments are, are coming due. It doesn't make sense to take that, and even in home finance, to take money that you're saving for a big bill and to uh, use that to go out to dinner or to go to the movie, right? And for us, we know that we have these, these bills coming up, and once everything gets paid, we have about $4 million in our reserve. Some people would call it a rainy day fund. I, I don't love that title, but I call it our reserve. And, and we're, we're expected by the state of Idaho under Idaho Code to have a certain amount in our, in our um, reserve fund. Uh, I can tell you in the month of June alone, our, what we paid out in salary and benefits was almost $3 million. Wow. And so to have $4 million in our in our reserve, really for me, I feel comfortable there that it protects us to be able to, if something were to happen, the banks were to close, I, I don't know what it would be. You could jump into a recession, and all of a sudden we still have, you know, we're in the people business. 90% of our, our budget goes to salary and benefits because we're in the people business. And so um, similar to the university, you know, a lot of their – I imagine a lot of their budget goes to paying salary and benefits. And if we were to get to a point where we didn't have enough money to pay salary and benefits, that would harm the community. And so that's why we have the, the, the $4 million that we keep there. Some people think we could have less, but we uh, we have the best business manager in the state in, in public schools. And as we counsel with him and with our board members, we feel comfortable that that's something that's good to have in place that we can we can help our our people out if there was ever something that came up and we couldn't you know we, we needed to pay our bills but the state didn't reimburse us and so um, the, the 24 million that people are talking about on Facebook is not money that's just sitting there believe me if we had 24 million we would be spending it on a lot of other things but it's all it's it's for our construction needs and for our uh, bond payments. So, um, and then as a homeowner, so I have, um, I live in the district. Uh, I will be paying on, on the levy myself as well. Um, I don't take taxing our patrons lightly. I, I know that, you know, I know that things are, you know, with gas prices going up and assessed values increasing, and and I know I know people are feeling it, but I also know that to be able to continue to open our doors, um, we don't get reimbursed from the state really enough to be able to pay our people. For example, the state reimburses us for a custodian, a bus driver, um, a maintenance person in our classified staff, about $12, excuse me, $12.22. Well, 
they can go over to Taco Bell right next door to the district office here and make 1450. Mm. You know, we want to be able to pay our people a living wage. And, you know, the framers of the Constitution, when they talked about taxes, felt like it was important to involve everybody in the community to benefit the community. And, you know, that's, I, I believe we have the best system in place as a nation, um, you know, without taxes and being able to support and help one another, you know, you become a, a country where there's war. And anyway, I just, you asked me to address that as someone who is a, a taxpayer and someone who has, doesn't have kids. I can't address that because I still have stu- I still have two students in the district, but I had a conversation with uh, a good friend of Madison School District named, uh, she said that, uh, in fact, I think she put it on Facebook uh, where I first heard it, and that was uh, that she's had kids go through Madison School District. Um, they're all gone, but she sees the value in making sure students are taken care of and kids are taken care of, so she will be voting in favor of the levy. What I would like to know now is, can community members see how the levy funds are being spent after or if the levy gets approved? You betcha. So as a public entity, our books are open. So if you decided, I want to walk into the school district, ask them to show me what the last three levy payments went to, we could open that up and show you exactly. So when we pass a bond or a levy, those monies have to be put into a specific area. So bond dollars can't be spent on on just whatever we want. So when we passed the bond to build the new Hibbert Elementary School, it needed to go to that. We can't spend it. Oh, we need a new bus, so we're going to take some of that bond money and spend it on a bus. And so, yeah, patrons can come in and we can we can show them our book. Our our business manager has a detailed description of where bond dollars have been spent, or levy dollars, excuse me, where levy dollars have been spent. So, yeah, anybody, and we've had folks come in and sit down with our business manager, and we've walked them through. That's the nice thing about being a public entity is we're, we're audited a couple of times a year by an outside entity. Um, the state audits us. We have things that, you know, we have to report to the state. I know one of the things that I've, I've heard from, I don't do a ton of Facebook, but my older daughters do, and, uh, you know, they shared with me that there was a concern out there about the two. We've got two new marquees in the district. We put a new marquee at the high school and a new marquee at the junior high. And, and some folks have said, well, why didn't you just use that money instead of doing a levy? Well, both marquees were purchased through uh, ESSER dollars, COVID money. And what happened during COVID, um, you know, they sent money to school districts around the nation. But with those dollars came certain criteria. We couldn't spend it on certain things. So whenever we wanted to spend the COVID dollars, we would have to write a description up and send it into the, into the state and the federal government. And they would give us an approval. Yeah, that will work. Or no, that's not a, a good expenditure of COVID dollars. And one of the things that got approved the quickest was our marquees. And the reason for that, I, I was curious, so I asked. I said, we've sent in some things that are really, feel like they're really good, and it's taken three, four weeks to approve. You approved these marquees in like two days. 
And they said one of the things during COVID that became an issue was communication. And so if you're putting in devices that will help communicate the community better, we're completely in support of that. So we were able to do that. Well, it's a good thing that communication, I guess, is a priority then. Now, I know that money issues are always a little bit touchy, but I've also been working on a story um, that I was hoping you could give some insight to. This is more or less just for my own understanding. Brandon Isle, the director of the radio station here, recognized that the levy vote was coming up and he was kind of talking about it in conjunction with how local teachers often are undersupplied in school districts. And that's just, that's not like specific to one district. It's just a matter of fact. So I talked to, I don't know if you've heard of her, Sharon McMahon. She is considered America's government teacher. She's also an Instagrammer and podcaster that's pretty famous, has almost 1 million followers. So she recently did a grant fundraiser for teachers and sent out $500 grants to over 2,500 teachers across the nation just to help with school supplies. Now, I guess my question for you would be mostly associated with why statistics are showing that teachers are spending $750 on average out of pocket. Is this levy going to help with paying for some of those basic supplies like paper and maybe snacks for students? Because Sharon was really adamant that teachers are paying for food a lot more than you might think. That's another great question. Um, I appreciate you asking that. Um, In our district, we do use some of our dollars that we get in, maybe not necessarily levy dollars, but each of our buildings are allocated a certain amount of money every year, depending on the number of students they have in their classrooms. What Sharon's talking about, really, to be honest with you, is not new. When I was a classroom teacher, it was easier for me just to buy stuff, and then I'd lose my receipts or I'd forget to get reimbursed. And so there were times that I would spend in my classroom two, $300. I know our amazing elementary school teachers, they just, they just spent. And um, we try and encourage our principals as they meet with their teachers at the beginning of every year to say, hey, if you purchase stuff, if you need something, we can help out with that. Madison School District also has the uh, Madison Education Foundation, And our education foundation has, it's separate from the district. It has its own board in it. But what they do is they they raise money for teachers and they give out grants every year. So if a teacher's, you know, spending money out of their pocket, they can actually write a grant, turn over their receipts, and and can get reimbursed. But, But Sharon's not wrong. Teachers... I can tell you in our district and districts around the state and even the nation do take and spend money out of their own pocket, which has been nice when you do your taxes because the government recognizes that as well, and they give a, a tax break. Now, does that cover everything? Not usually. Right. But they give a little tax break for teachers and educators. And so we're grateful for that. But I do know she's not wrong. Teachers spend money out of their pocket. And we try and help them and support them with this. Um, If we're able to, the levy passes, and we're able to buy more security cameras and update things, then that doesn't come out of our general budget. And the dollars in our general budget can go towards supporting teachers not having to pay out of their, their own pocket. 
we really try hard to make sure our teachers don't do that. And sometimes they just forget or just choose to not be reimbursed. But we, we do try and provide a way for them to be reimbursed if they've spent money out of their own pocket. Right. And I was researching quite a bit about this topic, and I'm glad you're willing to talk on it with me. Of the $750 average that teachers are spending out of pocket per year, I read that the IRS only reimburses about $250 worth of classroom-related expenses for teachers. So there is limitations, like you said. You did mention also that there's programs in place to help teachers not have to pay out of pocket you know, that 750 amount, my assumption is that that 750 is in areas where there are probably more areas of low income or inner city. You know, I would say some of our teachers have snacks in their drawers and, and pay for those because, you know, kids get hangry. Right? <laughs> they, sometimes kids will come to school not having breakfast, whether it's by choice that they just yeah, I don't eat breakfast, and all of a sudden, mid-morning, they get hangry. And so teachers do have snacks, granola bars, and they do that because they it, it makes the classroom environment a little easier to deal with. But I would hope, and, and I've talked to our principals about this, that if teachers are spending that kind of money, that we work together with them. And if there's a, a certain class that has this great need, then we would do our best to provide that so a teacher doesn't have to. I mean, they don't make enough money as it is, I guess, and then to turn around and pay, you know, almost $1,000 a month. In some cases, that's a third of their check. Sharon also mentioned when I was speaking with her that there's like a nationwide teacher shortage that we're feeling in school districts all around the country. I was just wondering how that is in Idaho, are we experiencing a teacher shortage? The causes she mentioned were more or less, um, some of it was pandemic related just because the virtual teaching was super spontaneous and kind of hard to adapt to. And some of it was just because of maybe lack of benefits or what have you. But are we experiencing a teacher shortage in Idaho? So uh, I've talked to other superintendents on a weekly basis throughout the state, we communicate. And there are some areas in the state of Idaho that are suffering a tremendous teacher shortage. We have the blessing of having BYU-Idaho in our backyard. And so we get a lot of BYU-Idaho teacher ed candidates. Uh, the teacher ed department up there on campus has just been fantastic to work with for our district. Um, this year we had every one of our teaching positions filled I think what we're seeing, though, two, twofold. One, uh, the number of candidates. When I got into the business 100 years ago, maybe not quite that long, but you know, when I first started and I applied for my first job, there were 25 other people applying. Today, we may get four or five that apply for a position. Hmm. So there's definitely a, a drop in that. Um, and then, and then the second is, just in employment in general, we have 12 open custodial positions right now. We have 10 open bus driving positions right now. And it just seems like people, people are just not working, or maybe we're seeing the baby boomer generation retiring and, and not, I, I just, we see a, a shortage in employees 
right now we've been fortunate to have good quality teachers that we've been able to hire. I guess if you have any other thoughts, now would be the time to share them. I don't know if there's something that I forgot to ask about or that you think it's important for the public to know before the levy vote. Well, I guess what I would tell tell the community is, you know, there's there's two ways that really school districts can receive money from the local community. One of them is through the, the supplemental levy that we're running, and that allows everybody in the community to vote on. The other one would be an emergency levy. And what happens with an emergency levy is after a certain date of the beginning of the school year, um, if we have an increase of one student, the school board can just vote without going out to the public to run an emergency levy and, and tax the community. Our, our school board is just awesome. They felt like, you know what, we want to run this for a vote. We want to see what the community feels like the needs of the school district are. And so instead of running an emergency levy, they chose to do the supplemental levy, where now people in the community can go to the polls, they can cast their vote uh, in favor or not in favor. And I really appreciate that about our school board, that they um, had that thought that they, you know, let's let's involve the community because we are a community school and um, we, we value we value our community, our patrons, and so, you know, it's sad to me a little bit, um, and that's because I'm an old school guy, that it's gotten so heated on, on Facebook and that there's this side and that side. And, you know, I, I, I hope for people just to, you know, if they, they are against it, vote accordingly. If they're in favor of it, vote accordingly. Um, there's been some communication out there that we did it in August because we're hiding something. No, the real reason we did it in August for my me as the superintendent, is in August it runs out. And if we don't renew it, we could go six months before we ran it again and not have that money coming in to use. So it was originally started in August, and we've just kept that. Um, you know, people say, well, you don't put up yard signs. What we found in the research is that yard signs, people don't notice them. Sprinklers knock them down. I mean, they're just, we've, we've taken to Facebook Live. I have an amazing uh, director of communications and Jessica Gowdy who, you know, keeps a pulse on the digital community. And and I just, you know, I, I hope that a levy vote won't divide the community. I hope a levy vote will, people will know that their neighbor may vote differently. But we live in a great community. And I appreciate the support of, of all of our, our patrons who have graciously over the years supported us financially. It sounds like if the levy doesn't pass, we might be able to physically see the difference that it makes to not have that extra funding. Where would that specifically start to burden the school system? You know, that's that's a great question. And I guess that's why the board hires me. Is then I go to work and look at areas where I would never say we're flush. Um, but instead of refinishing a parking lot that needed it this coming summer, I may have to push it off two years and, and, or a gym floor that needs refinishing. You know, gym floors to refinish cost us about $20,000. And you think about running, so the junior high has 1,200 students in it. If you ran 1,200 students daily across your kitchen floor, you'd be lucky to get a year out of it. We're able to get four and five years out of them 
And if the levy didn't pass, then we would have to, because again, I'm not, uh, I, I, and I've told this to, to patrons who are against our levy, I'm not willing to get rid of Madison Cares. What they do is phenomenal. The benefit for our community and our students is, I mean, just like school resource officers. I would never get rid of school resource officers for uh, non-armed security. I believe our Rexburg Police Department, Madison County Sheriffs, protect our students. So those are areas that are non-negotiables. So we would have to look at extending things. And sometimes that's not the best because if you extend a parking lot from the year it's supposed to be done to the next year, with the winters we have, it could double in price. And so... So, yeah, I mean, I think there'd be some things that we would see, but that's that's why I'm hired is now to go to work. and um, we, we focus really hard on getting as much out of, we, out of the dollar as we can. Well, I appreciate your feedback today. For BYU-Idaho Radio, I'm Ashley Chilcutt. This was an interview with Randy Lords, the superintendent for the Madison School District.